Well, it is so good to see you here this morning. How many of you, this is your first time to Life Church? Ever, never been here before? Can we just give our visitors a hand today, guys? So excited that you're here with us today. Uh, quite frankly, this is my first time here at a Christmas breakfast as well. My name is Matt Jansen. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church. I'm the father of three beautiful kids who are really excited for Wednesday. And a beautiful wife who is leading the choir this morning, um, Tanya, Pastor Tanya. And uh, so blessed to be here with you. I am a diehard Canucks fan. And um, I'm a radical lover of Jesus. And I'm just so excited to be able to share with you this morning the fourth theme of Advent. If you've been coming to the church, you'll know that for the past number of weeks, we've been going through the different themes of Advent. So we started with hope, and then we talked about peace, and then we talked about joy. And this week, we're going to be talking briefly, briefly, God help me to be brief, briefly about love, about love. So let's just pray, and then I'm going to speak, I'm going to preach quite briefly. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your spirit, for your anointing. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it will accomplish what it is set out to do and it will not return void. God, I get out of the way. I pray for these next 10 minutes that you would speak through me, Lord God, and help me to be your vessel, Lord Jesus, that we could all be inspired and changed by you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Well, the the title of my message this morning is Unconditional Love, which is fitting because I love Christmas. I mean, I love everything about Christmas. I love the lights. I love the decorations. I love eggnog. Any takers? Yeah, I got some claps there. In fact, I love eggnog so much that one year I actually took a carton of eggnog and I put it in the freezer so I could drink it in the summertime. That's a bad idea. It doesn't work. It it separates. It's really gross. Don't try it. But I thought that'd be cool to have eggnog all year round. I love eggnog. I love the Christmas movies. I love the gifts. I love the family time. I love puzzles and doing nothing, just eating. I love that. I love it. Christmas is so wonderful. And I even love the Hallmark movies. Okay, maybe I don't love the Hallmark movies. But I love my wife, and she loves the Hallmark movies. Any other fans here? We got, I heard some claps out there, a smattering of applause. Come on, Hallmark movies. If you've never seen one of these, I think I've got them figured out. Because Hallmark movies have a formula to them. I don't know if you're aware of this. It goes something like this. There's a young woman who's very successful, and uh, she's, it opens on her, and she's doing well. But then something happens in her life. She breaks up with her fiancé, or her boyfriend leaves her, or she's just not feeling good about where she's at, or she's trying out for a new job position somewhere else. And so inevitably she gets into a car or on a plane or in a train and she travels somewhere else. And somehow in those travels, she ends up at a Christmas wonderland, typically filmed somewhere here in Fort Langley or the back lot of Burnaby. And she ends up in a Christmas wonderland. And of course, inevitably, within the first five minutes of arriving in this land, full of decorations and and greenery and reds and snow, she bumps into a handsome stranger who just so happens to be single. And of course, the first meeting is always awkward. Like the guy's just rude to her. He's some like Christmas tree farmer or, you know, he, he runs the local ice rink or something like that or the local orphanage. But it's just this awkward meetup and it just doesn't go very well. And she's rude to him and he's rude to her. And it's just like, yeah, those guys aren't going to end up together. But wait, 
Because then she goes to where she's staying, which is usually another Christmas wonderland, like a log cabin or an attic somewhere with Christmas trees or um, a, a beautiful Christmas home somewhere off in the snow. And so she sits and drinks hot chocolate. And then she goes out and she interacts with this small town. And she gets to know some of the people in there. And inevitably, there's some sort of an issue that she has to use her skill to, to help fix. And so she'll fix the issue, endearing herself to the locals. And they all become friends. And then throughout that, she keeps bumping into the handsome stranger. And lo and behold, they start hanging out together and as friends, just as friends, and they get to know each other and they realize, you know what, they're not so different after all. The handsome stranger has a tragic backstory and he actually has a degree, but he's hiding away in this small town and maybe he's got a kid to add to that, you know, tragic backstory. And, and so they get to know each other and over time they realize, man, we're not so different and they start to fall in love. And then inevitably what happens, they have a big event, like a Christmas tree lighting or like a big citywide Christmas uh, uh, party. And it's at this event that you know it's finally going to happen. They're going to express their feelings for each other. And so the event comes and, and everybody's there and gathered and everybody's pushing the other person. Hey, you need to tell them. Have you told them yet? You need to tell them. Everybody seems to know, but the two of them don't know yet. And then what happens? Tragedy. Bum, bum, bum. The fiancé or ex-boyfriend shows up and kisses the woman. She doesn't realize he's going to be there, but he's just there. And right when they're kissing is when the handsome stranger was about to share his feelings for her. And he sees them kissing and goes, oh, yeah, it's never going to happen. And he wanders away dejected. And obviously, it's a tragic story that will never come together. But wait! Because it's not over yet. The next day, Christmas tree, snow, hot chocolate, cozy slippers, choir. And they realize, I'm lost without this person. And so they travel back to the town and they, they search for each other and they find each other in the snow, surrounded by the townspeople with the lights and the decorations. And they say, I love you. What? You love me too? I love you. And then there's a kiss. And it snows. And they live happily ever after. That's it. If you haven't seen one, now you've seen them all. That's it. That's the whole story. But you don't know me by this part. Tanya's sound asleep. I'm wiping away a tear and just like, hey, honey, wake up. It's over. They kissed and got together. Yes, yes, they got together. It's good. It's good. Hallmark one. Yeah. The reason that these movies work so well is because they tap into a nostalgia that we all feel around Christmas. So there's those warm fuzzies that come with that movie. And then what they do is they add on top of that a love story, which adds like another layer of warm fuzzies. So it's like you're putting on your slippers and your house coat and you're wrapping yourself in like four blankets while you're watching these movies because it connects to this deep part of us that desires to experience something like that, a love story. And it works so well. And it's actually not so far off from reality because in reality, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Christmas story is actually a love story. Did you know that? It's a love story. So let me tell it to you right from the beginning in like five minutes. We can do this. Because at the very beginning of the Bible, it states this, in the beginning, God. It never tries to prove his existence. It simply states it as reality. 
in the beginning God. So imagine that there's a God and that this God is outside of time and space and that he's all powerful and all knowing and he can do anything. He's greater than any superhero who lived ever lived on the planet or hasn't lived on the planet, may have lived on the planet. And this God can create things out of nothing and he can define them. So he, the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And then the, God said, let there be light. And before there was nothing called light, but now all of a sudden, boom, there was light, and it became a reality. And he created the heavens and the earth. He, he created the world around us. And then the pinnacle of his creation was us, human beings. And for this, he did something a little bit unique. The Bible says he created them in his likeness, in his, him, his image. And what that actually means is that God took a huge risk by giving us a free will giving us choice. Why? Because we were designed for relationship. And in order to have a relationship, you always have to have a choice, right? I mean, I don't know if you know this, but my wife is not a robot. I can't just program my wife and say, hey, uh, you are going to make my bed and you are going to do the dishes and you are going to do, that's not, that's not a relationship, that's slavery, But my wife has a choice to love me, and I have a choice to love her, and therefore we can have a relationship. So as human beings, we were created to have a relationship with God. That's what we were designed for. But the very first two human beings made a mistake. They had a choice, and the symbol of that choice was a tree. And God said you can eat of any tree in the garden, just not that one. And they did. And they failed, and they fell short. And since that day, that relationship was broken. And as human beings, it was that tragic part of the Hallmark story where everything seems like it's lost. Because as human beings, we couldn't get back to that right relationship with God. You see, because like any relationship, this relationship had a standard. A standard that, that, that just a minimal standard that had to be lived up to in order to have a relationship with God. We, we understand this concept from marriage, which is a relationship that we would all recognize. And you know, like a minimal standard of a marriage relationship is that you're not dating other people while you're married, Right? There's a standard. So God had a standard for this relationship. And regardless of how hard we tried as human beings, we could not live up to the standard. And all seemed lost. Somebody had to step up. Somebody had to declare their love. And you know who did? It was God. So now you're God and and you have to renew this relationship. How are you going to do that? What he does that's within the standard of that relationship And then that son would die, and then he would conquer death so that we could come back into relationship with God today. Now, the next question we have to ask is, what's his motive in doing this? Why would God go to all this trouble? Is he some egotistical maniac that just needs to have relationship? Is he just this needy God? The answer is no. He's God all by himself. He doesn't need anybody else. So why would he do it? Well, we find the answer In the famous passage in John 3.16 that we just read, it says this, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. Church, the motive of God was love. Now, how does God communicate that love to us in a way that we would understand? How does he communicate this message that before it was impossible to come to me because you couldn't live up to my standard, but now you can come just as you are? How does he do that? The answer is, you can go to the third slide, a feeding trough. A feeding trough. 
Now, l- l- just think about this. If Jesus were to come to the earth and receive the honor that he was due, okay, as the son of God, with his position, he probably should have been born in this century. He probably should have been in the, 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 the top of the line, most opulent hospital that we have. And he probably should have had an armed guard surrounding him. And it probably should have been live streamed so that people could watch it. But what kind of message does that send? It says, if you're going to come to this God, to this person, you ought to be pretty special. Not just anybody gets in there. But what does God choose to do instead? First of all, he sends the greatest choir that has ever existed to appear before a group of nomadic outcasts known as shepherds. And the angels appear to these shepherds, and they sing and they declare his coming. And then he organizes uh, that his son would be born in a barn and laid to rest in a manger. I have one point today, guys, and that's it. Just one, and this is it. Why would he choose a manger? Because anyone can come to a manger. Anyone can come to a manger. The message of love that God sent us is all are welcome here. That's the message of love today is that all are welcome here. That's the good news. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time, is that before it was impossible to reach God, but now through Jesus Christ, we can have relationship with God. And that is the great gift that in three days we're going to celebrate, that his love for us is unconditional. For God loved the world. Who did he love? The people that go to church every Sunday, obviously. No. Who did he love? Oh, those people that are exceptionally good this year, they won't be getting any coal in their stocking. No. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That life we call mega life. That life we call abundant life. That life is what maybe you're, you're striving for and longing for this morning. And I want to tell you, it is found in Jesus Christ. He came in a manger to tell us that all are welcome here. So this morning as I close this sermon, we're going to have the band come up. And what I'd like to do, two things. Number one, I'd just like to say as... A pastor here at Life Church, I just want to make sure that you know that you are always welcome here. If you need a place to explore faith and discover God, we would love it if you would join our family here. And you are always welcome. You are always welcome. And number two, I'd love to pray with you this morning. And what we're going to do is I want every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if this morning you say, Matt, I would like to know this God. I would like to invite him into my heart as well. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And when we're done, you can come speak with either Pastor Mike or myself, and we would love to talk to you and pray for you personally as well. Okay? So let's just pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are here with us now. God, I come before you, and I say that I want to know you. I want to invite you into my heart this morning. 
I recognize that I can't do it on my own. But I thank you for your gift of your son. That he was sent to the earth. And that he came in humility. And he was born in a barn. And laid in a manger. And I thank you that he also died and that he rose again for me. He conquered death so that I could have life in you. I give you my heart in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. We're going to sing a special for you now called the Christmas Invitation. Come now, angels, 
Come now, government, everyone, everyone. Come.